1: All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Mikey, Lions beat writer for M Live, joined as always by Big Ben Raven. It is September 21, Ben. The, the sky is falling. The lines are coming off a yeah, you know, it was it was a tough loss. 37-31 against the Seahawks. Um now one one on the season. Tough test coming up this week against Atlanta. Um, open up the mailbag today. And as you could probably expect, a lot of questions about Aaron Glenn's defense.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I would say this to Lions fans. At least you aren't Bears fans right now because the sky <laughs> is <laughs> falling in Chicago oh with midweek God. press conferences from the GM. That's not a great sign. But yeah, a lot of questions about Aaron Glenn, a lot of questions about Jameer Gibbs, a lot of questions about the mounting injuries in front of a matchup with a team that wants to pound the rock and beat you down physically.
1: Yeah. And, and not to be the bearer of bad news, but they got a Thursday night game next yeah. week. So the short turnaround and it's in green Bay. So t- kicking off, you know, divisional play It's an important game. And so if you play some of these guys like Taylor Decker, who might be iffy, um, they're not going to have the, the, you know, the rest time that they usually would have to to recover for a big game next week. So that is complicating all these decisions they have to make on guys like Decker, and Amon Ross, St. Brown, David Montgomery, and so forth. I think they're going to be severely shorthanded on both sides of the ball at a time when, let's be frank, the defense is not playing well.
0: Yeah, and it's just what a terrible week to be banged up on defense. I mean, Pascal Houston and Gardner Johnson land on injured reserve in the last week, and it's just... You know, I mean, they've had their problems with mobile quarterbacks. They've had their problems against the running game before. But, like, at least against running backs, it's been looking up a little bit this year. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, losing CJ is just – I mean, I'm Tracy Walker is a respected starter. He's a guy you can rely on. But, like, just that, that's a tough loss for CJ. He's so active coming up and stopping the run, and that physicality was going to be needed in this and the rest of the games he's going to miss. Again, not to be the bearer of that, yeah, news, that but depressing. there's
1: no there's – no- Herbie Joseph right now, Ben, oh, we've yeah. been out of practice all this <laughs> week, just got off the practice field not too long ago. They're down both starting yeah. safeties going into a game against Bijan John Robinson um, against Kyle Pitts. I mean, they got, I mean, their skill players are pretty damn good and um, it's going to be a tough test. Last week was a tough test. The week after this one's going to be a tough test. It's a, um, you know, the, it, listen, there's still one-on-one. Um, they're in the mud, as Dan Campbell likes to say, and that's where they like to be. This is a team that's been through a lot of adversity and come out the other end of it in a good place. But there is adversity right now, and they are being um, tested for sure. The, the the depth you and I have been talking about for months at this point uh, will be uh, tested this week for sure.
0: Yeah, no doubt.
1: With that, let's dive right into the mailbag, Ben. Um, first up, Kind of a heavy hitter here from Rod F. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hearing people saying Aaron Glenn is terrible. I'm not sure how good he is, but I don't believe that. I guess I I just felt like I chose this question first, Ben, because Mm -hmm. it's kind of a general jumping off point into the state of the defense. and, And of course, you know, it's under Aaron Glenn's lead. What have you made of the defense through two weeks and the job Aaron Glenn has done?
0: I think people need to realize that the defense, I know it's so easy to see 37-31 shootout, you don't get the ball back in overtime, but man, two of those touchdowns were short field and then the pick-six interception too. And I mean, we said it on the post-game podcast. Kenneth Walker opened the game with a 14-yard run, but then I think it was 29 yards on 16 carries. I mean, Charbonnet didn't do much, and Geno Smith, I mean, after last year, I think he ran for 50 yards and a touchdown on this defense. I think he was held to 20 yards too. So, I mean, the rush defense is better. What's concerning is the pass rush, both interior and on the edge, and now you're losing bodies up there, so I think that's the problem, and on my first watch, I didn't feel like the Lions blitzed a lot, but watching the game back, they did, and I mean, you look at the PFF stats, they blitzed. They, they've had some successful Brian Branch blitzing. Now, if Aaron Glenn doesn't tap back into that some of this week, then I think you can start questioning his adjustments, but I do think the defense has been better than it's getting credit for.
1: I think the defense was better than the numbers show um, against Seattle. You know, like you said, the short fields with the turnovers and whatnot, and even the the, the failed fourth down near midfield, you gave a really good offense, um, short fields to work with. And that's always bad news in the NFL. In week one, they held Patrick Mahomes to 20 points, and I know. You know, There's no Kelsey out there, but that's a pretty damn good effort. So there are things to latch on to, and I'm with you. I think the the, the progress of the Rusty defense from Inept last year. I mean, that game in Carolina was a bloodbath. It was one of the worst performances I've seen in a really long time. It was like 300-and-something yards, a team record for the Lions to give up, a team record for the, the Panthers to uh, gain on the ground. Um, and that was near the end of last season, and now through two games this year, um, they faced two good offenses and one really good running back and Kenneth Walker. And I think, I mean, that they, they, they've done a really good job. The problem is the pass defense and most specifically the pass rush, which is just allowing the quarterbacks too much time uh, to find their man. And um, you know, the the numbers are horrific. And we'll get into some of what's going on with the pass rush. With you know, with some of these subsequent questions, Ben. But the number that stands out to me more than any other is 30%. That's the Lions pass rush win rate from the from the defensive line. They're they're winning their battles 30% of the time. That's 30th in the league. Uh, Jacksonville and New Orleans are the only teams that are worse. And so you can scheme up all the blitzes you want, but if your guys aren't winning at the line of scrimmage, you're not going to get home with any kind of consistency and that's and that's what we're seeing. I mean the 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 rush on listen, Mahomes is his own different Animal and like like that guy is so good. It's yeah. just really hard to knock the Lions for a game where they allowed twenty points. But against Seattle, they hit Geno Smith one time. Now I'm not talking about like sacks. I'm talking about hits. They they made that guy feel. Physical contact. One time in the first uh, in the game, and in the first 58 minutes, Ben, zero. There was zero quarterback hits in the first 58 minutes of that game. And when you have guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler, Tyler um, Lockhart out there in the on, on the outside, it, like that's just a losing recipe. And that's what we saw. We saw Geno Smith drop back and find Tyler Lockett for the game winner. We saw him drop back and find DK, uh, finding the soft spots in that zone. And, um you know, they it really spelled disaster for the for the lines in
0: that game, yeah, and my my big concern is, I mean, there's got to be a circle on Ali McNeil's name right now. I mean, this guy was expected to be a better player in year three. He was expected to play more three technique and actually make some noise while doing that. I mean, I, we said it a couple of times. him and Benito Jones combined for like one hundred and four defensive snaps last week. No tackles, no pressures, no hurries, no quarterback hits, nothing. And I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is like second in the league per PFF with thirteen pressures, but He's got nothing to show for it, so it's just like there's got to be that defensive line, that interior defenders. There's just got to get a little pro, little push in there, disrupt something. I mean, yeah, like you said, you can blitz all you want, but if there's nothing going on with your front four or five, then good luck to you. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson actually leads the league in pressures.
1: So I think, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think he. So I, I like. He hasn't gotten home. You need to get home. That's the bottom line. I mean, this game is about tackling ultimately, and the Lions aren't doing that on the quarterback, and that's always going to hold you back. And we've seen that with Geno. We've seen that with Patrick Mahomes. Um, but the best way to judge a pass rush, because you know the sacks come in spurts, there's some lucky breaks or unfortunate breaks, and we've seen it go both ways. But ultimately, you want to make the quarterback uncomfortable. You want to crash the pocket. Aiden Hutchinson is doing that with some degree of effectiveness and with all the attention he draws and the double teams and so forth. I I I think there's nothing to be discouraged about on that front. But everything else is a problem right now. Um, where's Charles Harris? Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned him earlier. I mean, man, man, I like we saw him out there every day with the ones during training camp. They spoke very highly of him. Um, we have seen him do nothing uh in the early going this season, and that includes Play a, a backup uh, in, in you know against Seattle, and that's just disappointing. You have to win your one on ones, and the lines are simply not doing that. And it's been even more vacant on the inside. Um, where's Levi Anzurique? Where's the slim down Alim McNeil, who's supposed to be generating uh, rush? I mean, it, it's just a problem across the board. And at some point, you know, it's it's talent, right? And you gotta you gotta win your one on ones. But are the coaches developing that talent? Are they putting it in the best positions to succeed? I I think that's where we can maybe critique Aaron Glenn a little bit, because it, like to see the lack of success across the front with every player, not named a Hutchinson. I think that does come down
0: to coaching. No. Yeah, absolutely. They've got the pieces to move around and it's on him to find it. So, so Ray
1: wants to ask, and it's a nice follow-up to our discussion here, Ben, um, what is the plan to improve the pass rush? Will it be easier to blitz when Mosley gets better? It sure look, looked like Jerry Jacobs was getting handled by Seattle. um, I guess, you know, what is the plan (laughs) to to find progress in week three? Because the Lions really do need to get after the quarterback. Um, They're going to continue to hurt defensively.
0: I mean, the plan is just to find someone other than Aiden Hutchinson creating pressure. I mean, it's got to be more than one person because when it's just one person, you see what Gino does. All he has to do is take one step up in the pocket and it's clean again. But yeah, I'll say this to Jerry. He definitely got picked on. He definitely got beat. But like, man. We've said it time and time again, when you get left on an island with Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf for five, six, seven seconds, you're going to lose eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times. So, yeah, fixing the pass rush. I mean, you got to find it from somewhere else. Like you said, Charles Harris, some strong stuff against the run, but just backup tackles last week, man, and absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah, I don't have much to add. It's just it's just not good enough. Yeah. Um, And yeah, you can scheme up blitzes and other games up front, and I'm sure they will. I'm sure they'll work in that kind of stuff. Um, you can give your guys some, I don't know, added ammunition that way. But it really comes down to winning your battles. And like, like I said, third the Lions, are, their pass rush win rate is 30%. It's dreadful. It's way down from last year. And you take Aiden Hutchinson out of that because he's been fairly effective. The Lions don't have a top 80 pass rusher on the edge in the league right now, according to Pro Football Focus. So, I, I mean, I, I think it paints a bleak picture about where these guys are at. Um, in terms of just winning the, the matchups up front. They're, they're simply not, and they're not doing it against backups, which makes it, to me, even more discouraging.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, moving on, John Bloomfield wants to know, why are Charles Harris, <laughs> Jerry Jacobs, <laughs> Ali McNeil, and Alex Anzalone still starting, just because they're healthy? Uh, I think you answer your own question. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a whole host of injuries right now, particularly with the, the Jerry Jacobs thing. Jerry has really struggled. He's been disappointing to me, Ben. He's a guy that they lean on heavily um, uh, to be a pit bull out there, to bring some aggressive physicality uh, to the perimeter. But he just has not been able to, to, to stack up uh, in coverage. And it seems to me like opposing quarterbacks are already starting to pick on him. The problem is Emmanuel Mosley is hurt. And who else do you put out there on the edge? You put out, I mean, has Stephen Gilmore played a defensive snap in his career? I, I don't think that he has. And while Mosley is out, I think Gilmore's the backup. So it's just—I I mean, it's just like Alim McNeil is better than the alternative. Charles Harris, for as bad as he be, is as he's been, who? What's the alternative? Mm-hmm. Josh Pascal's on IR. Uh, yeah, you know, James, I mean, the, yeah, yeah, and James yeah, Houston on IR. Like these are the these are the backups, and they're on IR. You know, John Kamiski can play on the outside, but uh, has been mostly playing on the edge and plays a lot anyway. He's playing nearly as much as Charles Harris. So I. These guys are playing because they're better than the alternative, and I'm not sure what else you can do in terms of the playing rotations.
0: Yeah, and just like with Jacobs, there's not much pressure on McNeil's heels for that job. Right now, there's not much pressure on Jerry's heels for that job. I mean, Jerry's struggled with some of their more z- zone coverage looks. I mean, he wants to play pitball He wants to play man, and it's just he's looked uncomfortable. And Anzalone, uh, he was bad in coverage last week, but I still think, I mean, he's the starter because... Yeah, that's You've answered your own question there. They are the starters on question starters right now because they're healthy. There's just, it's tough on that side of the ball right now too. Well, with
1: regard to Anzalone, they did play some packages last week Mm -hmm. against Seattle that we had not seen before, which was with Jack Campbell and Derek Barnes, both on the field and Alex Alex Anzalone on the sideline. Um, it was just a sub package. I'm not sure how much we'll see that going forward. But if you don't see performance from Anzalone, you still see more struggles from the linebackers, particularly in pass coverage, because against the run they've been okay. Mm-hmm. The Lions' rush defense is doing okay, but they're getting uh, killed right now via the pass. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Gino was like 14 out of 14 or something like yeah. that when he was targeting the linebackers. And Anzalone is okay in pass coverage, but just okay. Derek Barnes has made progress against the pass, I would say, from his first two years in the league, but just that, yeah, you know, I wouldn't is. call him good against the pass. At this point, the line's best pass covering linebacker might be Jack Campbell, uh, and his playing time is going up, but he, he he's a rookie, mm. and they're bringing him along slowly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, it's just And Malcolm Rodriguez isn't going to offer you that much in that territory for sure. But yeah, I, I just think improvement at the linebacker level and coverage is going to have to come through Jack Campbell just because that's where his ceiling is. And I, I just remember this for sure. Anzalone allowed five catches on five targets in coverage and missed three tackles on the mm-hmm. chase downs. So it was right. definitely a tough week for him. And I mean, unlike the others on that list, he's actually got some potential creepers into his playing time, like you said.
1: It's been a rough week for a lot of guys. And and like we said, there's, there are a uh long list of injuries they're dealing with right now, including not having either safety on the field, um, which is putting Tracy Walker and uh, uh, Efeto Malethanwu out there. Um, Ryan Comick wants to ask, the injuries are very worrisome, but that is life in the NFL. I am more concerned with putting our players, our, mainly our defensive players, in the right positions to succeed. Jerry Jacobs was set up to fail last week with zero adjustments being made throughout the game. Uh, if the Lions continue to stop the run and force third and longs, what do you think is the key to getting off the field? This is another mobile QB this week, so I believe this is a game for the linebackers to really step up. Uh, ben, where do you stand on, on, on all that? I, I think there's a lot of truth in what Ryan's asking about, you know, like every team is dealing with injuries. That's why I kind of scoffed at the whole asterisk thing right. coming out of Kansas City. Like, yeah, the Lions beat the Chiefs when the Chiefs weren't at their best, but the Lions weren't. Fully healthy either. Jameson Williams has not played a snap this year. I think we easily forget about that. Yeah. Um, they had a couple of guys banged up last week. Taylor Decker didn't play their starting left tackle. I mean, this is life in the NFL. But What the Lions are dealing with this week, injury wise, is I think more substantial than we're used to seeing. With you know missing two offensive linemen, their top running back, both safeties, a um, couple of edge rushers they put on IR. Um, it's uniquely difficult. Um, so I guess you know to to, to Ryan's question, I guess. You know, how concerned are you about where the defense is right now from an injury perspective, but also putting those guys in positions to succeed?
0: Yeah, they've definitely lost some of their versatility and multiplicity with some of those injuries. But, I mean, the answer to getting off the field on third and longs is for someone like John Kaminsky to start creating pressure like he did in spots last year, for Aileen McNeil to start making noise from that three-technique spot. I mean, it really does start with the pass rush on those plays. And, I mean... In the linebacker rotation is going to like to the second part of that question is really going to be paramount this week because the Falcons, I mean, they, they don't just run up and run halfback dives 45 times a game. I mean, there's a lot of read option fakes. There's a lot of RPO. So there's going to be a lot of reads going on. And the Jerry Jacobs function of that, there's probably going to be some more zone going on. There's going to be some more spies going on. So they're that is putting jacobs in a situation he's clearly not at his best with so that that is a, <laughs> a fair question i mean the the main injury concerns for me are in the secondary right now for sure they need mostly back stat i mean and that just feels like what what a nightmare that's been
1: Well, I, you know, I, I think I just put too much stock in Jerry Jacobs and maybe it was pressure of Brad Holmes to go out there and sign not only Cam Sutton to Mm -hmm. replace Jeff Okuda and whatever else they ran out there as quarterback last year, but to also go get Emmanuel Mosley, you know, and he's not a household name. He's not a guy a lot of people knew before the Lions signed him, but he, if you look at the numbers, his coverage numbers in San Francisco were very, very good. Top 15, top 20 in the league kind of range, like. No one thinks Emmanuel Mosley is elite, but in terms of coverage, he's very, very competent, very, very good. He was a very quality number two cornerback for one of the league's best defenses in San Francisco. So to bring him into play, that kind of role in Detroit, and it's kind of like a prove-it deal for him, one-year deal, and let him prove his health because he was coming off the ACL, and then let him cash in again next offseason. But like you said, Ben, it's been disastrous. He hasn't even put a, a – you know he, he put a cleat on to practice for one week after missing so much time because of a second surgery on the ACL, uh, and then after one week of practice, injures the hamstring, um, and we haven't seen him again since. So it's been just a bunch of setbacks for for Mosley, um, and that has forced Jacobs to play that second cornerback yeah. role in the defense, and through two games, it's really been abysmal.
0: Yeah, and it was easy to see the vision when they signed Mosley, just because he's someone who can handle man. He's someone who can handle zone. He's like an ideal number two guy especially when you have a pit bull like Jerry Jacobs who can come on the field and wants to just play press in your face. Let me get a hit on you as much as possible in these first five yards coverage. So without Mosley, I mean, you're just completely back to like last year and the year before leaning on Jerry Jacobs. I like Jerry Jacobs. I think he should have a role on this defense, but I don't think he should be a 70 plus snap a game guy. And I think you're seeing why. Right.
1: Jason Obermiller wanted to ask about, What's up with Mosley? Uh, it's a great question, Jason. We're all trying to figure that out ourselves. You know, like I said, he he um, missed the entirety of training camp, which was disappointing because of a second surgery. And I'm still not clear whether that was something that he had to go through, the team said he had to go through, or if that was like an elective thing. Um, I haven't gotten a lot of clarity on that. There might be some bad feelings in the building about him going through the second surgery. I'm not really sure, but either way, it meant that he couldn't participate in training camp, which of course meant he was going to miss at least a couple of games going into the season. He did practice throughout week one, hurt his hamstring in practice, hasn't practiced since. So it's really looking, I, I think he's at, at minimum a week away. Um, and with the short week next week against Green Bay, Thursday night game, I don't think he's going to have enough practice time for that game either, not with how much time he's missed. So we're really talking about week five at that point with, with uh, Emmanuel Mosley, which is obviously not what you expect when you give the guy six, $7 million to come in on a proven deal and, and, and start for you. Yeah.
0: And then open the season initial roster without him on Puff. So just yeah. kind of a double whammy.
1: So B.L. Thornton, let's just, um, let's move along. B.L. Thornton wants to know, we all know the many reasons Lions Nation is freaking the freak out. (laughs) Nicely done. Uh, What gave you hope from the last game? A positive question, Ben, shifting gears. What gives you maybe some, some hope coming out of the loss against Seattle?
0: Jared Goff still looks like the same Jared Goff that closed last season. I mean, even with the pick six interception, which I'm still not completely sure what the heck happened on that. That ball came out of his hand like sideways. So I, I don't read too much into that, but I, I'm really comfortable with Jared Goff leading this offense. I mean, he just, he has continued to make me eat my words from his first mm-hmm. year and a half here. And as long as he's playing like this, I will continue to eat him. So yeah, I think... Jared Goff, that connection with Sam Laporta, Laporta blossoming, Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds. I mean, th- that's the reason for optimism right there. I mean, even with St. Brown's toe injury, God, he exited that game like four or five different times and still left with 102 yards on like eight targets. And just the chemistry with Reynolds has been a godsend with Marvin Jones struggling and J-Mo suspended.
1: Yeah, you know, when St. Brown came off the field all those times, I mean, it was Laporta who was really stepping up. Yeah. And we saw that in a big way in a late scoring drive. Lines were, I think at that point, down by 10 points and needed something fast. I think it's like five minutes left in the game. And they drive the length of the field and golf finds Reynolds for the touchdown. But that doesn't happen without Sam Laporta catching two really nice, really long passes, including one on on third and 12. And he had some nice yak. I I still don't know how he, like two guys crunched him as soon as he caught the ball. But he somehow like almost faked like he was going to spin out of the tackle and then just kind of went straight backward and um got the first down and it was a really a, a nice play and the kind of thing that we've seen from Sam LaPorta throughout camp um but the common denominator obviously with this team the biggest strength is it's the offense and the common denom- denominator with the offense is Jared Goff and he's played very well and he had the pick six but I'm still not close like that might have been yeah. some miscommunication too with the rookie running back Jumar Gibbs it sounded like maybe you know Goff was under heavy duress he had to get rid of the football before Gibbs was coming out of his break. And there might have been some miscommunication on where Gibbs was going to break. There was a kind of a, a choice route there. Um, and uh, the Gibbs read the linebacker one way. I think Goff maybe read it slightly different. And you end up with a bad pass um, that's picked off. And when the guy goes 400 passes without throwing a pick, it's really hard okay. to blame. <laughs> Gary Goff for that thing. And even on a day where he threw the pick six, um, yeah, a back-breaking play of Goff was magnificent the rest of the day. And on a day where the defense was really struggling, Goff gave them every chance to come back and, I mean, let's be frank, they almost stole a game they shouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. Um, But on the, on the defensive side, too, um, the run defense, I think, is a lot to like. I mean, Kenneth Walker is a really good running back. Yeah. Seattle is a really good running team. They're really physical at the point of attack, and the Lions really handled um, that that aspect of their game uh, very well. Considering how bad um, the run defense was last year, I think there's a lot to feel good about with the progress in the run defense. Um, so moving along, we've got to talk about Jameer Gibbs a little bit before we get out of here, Ben. Um, obviously with the David Montgomery injury, dealing with a thigh bruise, he's technically day-to-day, but hasn't practiced um, since the injury. I, I think at this point it's fair to say he's unlikely to yeah. play. Uh, on Sunday against Atlanta so there's a lot of questions about Jameer Gibbs obviously because he's going to be important in the game on Sunday Uh, let's see Raymond Nuznoff wants to know the worry in Detroit is that Jameer Gibbs is already being wasted due to lack of usage over the first two games when do you see his production increase and do we need to stop thinking of him as a running back it's clear our vision isn't the same as Brad Holmes and Dan
0: Campbell's vision Yeah, you need to stop thinking of him as a running back. We've been trying to tell you all that for since the moment that kid landed here. And I mean, honestly, nine targets last week, seven catches. His carries were, I mean, his carries were exactly the same. Seven carries, but I think, yeah, 13 more offensive snaps. So it's coming. And that was after Montgomery went out. And I mean, I still think it's coming for Jameer Gibbs. But yeah, don't look at him as a potential bell cow running back. He's going to get his carries. He'll continue to get more carries as his game grows and they get more comfortable with him. But This is a weapon. This is a weapon that I think seven to nine targets like that every game are acceptable and would be within reason. I mean, they know they have to feed him. He is the one of their explosive, if not the top explosive spark plug that they have right now. I mean, his ability to make people miss and his ability. I mean, I know he had the ugly drop there before the end of the first half, but I mean, What else can you find wrong with this game so far? Because, I mean, I think there's been a lot to work with, and I think the offense might even change if Montgomery misses this game a little just because it has to. I mean, they're not going to be able just to line you up and run down your throat, and I think that starts with Jameer Gibbs. They want
1: a physical running game, and we've seen that with David Montgomery, and Montgomery's had a lot of success. I think he's been one of the best players for Detroit this season. The numbers are are decent. I think he's been better to my eye than the, than the numbers suggest. There's been a lot of traffic in the backfield to miss blocks, particularly by tight ends uh, on Montgomery runs, but he's still made a lot of stuff happen particularly in crunch time. I like that a lot. You, you see the veteran nature of that guy come out in a place like Kansas city where they're down on the road in the fourth quarter. It's a hostile environment. And he played his best ball in the fourth quarter. And he had this, the go ahead touchdown. And last week against Seattle, before he got hurt, he had his, some of his best work was coming out of halftime. Not, I mean, he fumbled the ball uh, coming. And that, that was a, that was a backbreaker Ben. But after that, the drive after that, he was unstoppable. Yeah. And he scored a really nice 18 yard touchdown where he broke like a thousand tackles. Uh, The play, the plays waved off because of an injury. uh, Sorry, a a penalty away from the ball, and they they line it back up and he scores another touchdown. (laughs) Um, He, yeah, he did. There's so much to like about that guy. That is not Jameer Gibbs. And so to your point, I think the offense will change. I think that the like, listen, they're saying what they have to. Jameer Gibbs is going to be, you know, he's going to have more opportunities. Uh, He's capable of running between the tackles, but I just don't think that's his cup. And, um, you know, without him on the field, you're going to see a lot more Craig Reynolds. Um, I think Craig Reynolds is kind of what he is, what he is. Mm -hmm. He's not David Montgomery. He's a guy who could eat some carries and get you some yards, but probably not much more than you ever expect on a given play. And he's not going to, pop a big one. I think Jim Mary Gibbs is still going to be your space guy. And that that's why they took him. They, I mean, Brad Holmes thought he was the best guy in space in the draft. And we have seen the athleticism in camp. It's there. The skills are there. Um, we've only seen flashes in the, in the season so far. Um, some really nice plays in Kansas City. I was pretty disappointed by Gibbs against Seattle. Um, I don't, what are the numbers? Seven carries yeah, for like 17, 17 yards. Yeah. I mean, that's just not it's just not good enough. And even the, like, I know he caught like, I think seven passes, yeah. but they went for like, I don't know, 40 yards or something like there's just not the big impact plays that we have come to expect from Gibbs in, you know, in particular. And and in general, Ben, we take someone 12th overall, you're not expecting, uh, you know, five yards per catch or whatever, right? Like they need more out of them. And now with Montgomery Hurt going into a game against a really good offensive team and a team, by the way, that has Bijan Robinson, the <laughs> running back they could have had a guy who can match between the tackles and is, I mean, that tape against green Bay is obscene. Yeah. It's, I mean, rated R man. Like they, he did some like disgusting things to the green Bay Packers. Um, and meanwhile, the lions are going to have to lean because of injury more heavily on a guy like Jameer Gibbs, who like he's, we just haven't seen him that as that kind of physical runner between the tackles. And maybe they'll give him a shot. Um, I think they'll lean more heavily on Craig Reynolds and and Gibbs. Uh like the microscope is gonna be on him on this game because because of the Bijan
0: comparisons. And there are gonna be some freak out tweets when Zonathan Bam Knight also has like six carries <laughs> off the bench. I mean <laughs> I mean he was when Brees Hall went down for the Jets last year, I think he was one of the more slippery running backs in the game. So don't freak out when he gets some power looks because he's up from the practice squad too.
1: CJ wants to know granted this is mostly hindsight but what do you think this team looks like if they had drafted Bijan Robinson instead of trading back especially considering um you know the, the lack of Gibbs usage and production so far
0: shoot what do you a, think it would look like a stallion horse i feel like you know when we were home on the first sunday of the year i was watching the falcons panthers game and bijan just kept having plays that made my jaw drop and it just kind of I mean that tape against the Packers game just confirmed everything you heard about that guy. He literally runs and catches and moves like Ladainian Tomlinson with more weight and power. So I mean, I'm not hating on Jameer Gibbs, but like when I see how the Lions want to play the game and stuff like that, like that's the one thing in hindsight I think would have been a smart, wise move, and that was Bajan Robinson in this offense. So that's that's not me saying Gibbs can't be the dynamic electric playmaker that they want him to be, but I, I I do think this offense would look a lot more to the vision of what they wanted it with Bijan Robinson back there. Man, those those jump cuts against Green Bay. Like I saw it caught
1: up on on Twitter. Oh my or X or whatever. Yeah, it whatever called. it is. Yeah. Um man, it, it it was like he just kept doing the same move like over and over, like <laughs> 10 times and it worked every time. I mean he was just making guys miss all over the place. He's I looked it up. He's fourth in the league right now in yards from scrimmage and that's that's good stuff and it would look pretty damn good in the Lions uniform I'm, I'm just saying and behind that offensive line like the Lions have a better offensive line like mm-hmm. just imagine Bijan in a Lions uniform with I know, like I mean, they. This is the kind of thing they imagined for Jameer Gibbs, and maybe he'll get there. And as a pass catcher, I think he's special. I think long term, he'll be better than Bijan as a pass catcher, and that's why they took him twelfth overall. They viewed him as, you know, a pass catcher as much as they viewed him as a running back. But he is a running back, mm-hmm. Ben. And they, they, they need Gibbs this week. I don't know if he's ready for that yet, based on what we've seen and the way they've used him. But Bijan is, and. It's really hard to, like, I, I think they have to think, be thinking, man, like, what if yeah. what the, what what the questioner asked? Because you know, it. I understand their calculation for Gibbs. They they already had signed David Montgomery and free agency. They viewed Gibbs as a better complementary piece to what they already had yeah. with David Montgomery. They they saw Gibbs as the. As the electric guy who could catch passes as much as he could run the football, the speed element to what you know what Montgomery can provide is a pounder. But I worry, some Ben, that that is very short-sighted thinking because ultimately, a twelfth overall in the draft, you want to take, or a sixth overall in the draft, yeah, you want yeah. to take the best player possible, and <laughs> that's looking like Bijan right now. And you could have had him, but you they, they I feel like they maybe they they most they almost overthought the situation, and I know they picked up Sam Laporta in the trade back too, and I think that's a really important element uh, to add. They have Gibbs and Sam Laporta instead of just Bijan. So I think that the, you know they got better at two positions instead of one, but I do worry that they missed out on a special yeah. tag on Bijan
0: and the Falcons did the opposite of that thing and the Falcons had a top three rushing attack last season in terms of volume, production any metric you can look at and they said screw it let's use our top resource on Bijan Robinson and you're seeing the benefits of that pay off early. I we have so many more questions to get to but I think we're getting called into
1: the locker, oh, locker yeah. room here any, <laughs> any second so we have to pull the plug uh, good stuff Ben, we'll be, at, we'll be back uh, on Sunday after the Lions-Falcons game with our regular post game coverage here on the Dungeon of Doom.
0: This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of M Live's Detroit Lions feed. Thank you for listening to The Dungeon of Doom and M Live Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts ACAST, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to The Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.